Recruiting specialty and advanced practice providers to rural communities is a challenge for many small hospitals, especially in today's environment. Retaining enough staff to provide needed coverage is no small feat, especially for critical services like anesthesia that keep other service lines in operation. So, how do rural hospitals recruit and keep excellent providers in their challenging and unique hospital settings? Well, Rachel, with help from the experts, appropriate practice authority, and enough grit to get the job done. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 79 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So, Rachel, we often talk about recruitment and retention in rural hospitals, and we have been certainly challenged over the last few years with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, one of the areas that we are getting into for the first time today relates to our ability to continue providing important services that also play a major role in a hospital's financial sustainability. That's right. We are talking with someone who is in the action uh, here in Hillsdale on a daily basis and has firsthand experience with the challenges of managing a specialized group of providers in rural America. Yes. Uh, our guest today is a good friend of mine, John Gadwood, Chief CRNA at Hillsdale Hospital, and we welcome you to Rural Health Rising. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Pleasure to be here. John, to start, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at Hillsdale Hospital? Oh, boy. Um yeah, I have essentially been affiliated with this hospital since 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, I started here as a volunteer um, in physical therapy. Oh, wow. And then was uh, kind of helped with, acted as kind of a PT assistant after I had graduated from Hillsdale College, thinking I was going to go back to, I was looking at PT school, then it turned into PA school. Well, none of that really came to fruition, so mm-hmm. I ended up going back to nursing school a couple of years later. Continued to work here kind of as casual status when I could. Picked up a lot of nighttime, weekend hours, things like that. Um, Finished my nursing degree from U of M and then worked at U of M for a few years with with the intention of going back to anesthesia school. Mm -hmm. And then eventually did go back to anesthesia school with the help of the hospital. Uh, It was immense help um, in getting me through that um, and then having a job here for me Mm -hmm. when I was finished. Mm That was almost, that was 11 years ago now. Wow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 11 years. So, it does. It does. So, but anesthesia, I think, was my goal early on in when I started nursing. I started nursing in about 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, and I knew pretty quickly I wanted to pursue anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, nursing was great. I loved being a nurse, but I wanted that next challenge. So, mm-hmm. and anesthesia was it. So I had sat down with a few CRNAs back then at the time and just they kind of shadowed a couple of them and they kind of explained their job and I thought, yeah, that's that's what I want to pursue. So mm-hmm. um, so it worked out with the help of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, forever grateful for that to the mm-hmm. hospital for mm-hmm. allowing me to pursue that and achieve that. Um, so yeah, and then I've been chief for the last year. Yeah, that's so, fun. We're going to talk about yeah. that in a minute, all yeah. those challenges so, of being mm-hmm. the boss. Yeah. So, so uh, for those listening, CRNA stands for? Certified Registered Nurse nurse Anesthetist. Okay. It's been nurse anesthetist for 100 years mm-hmm. or, or more. Um, recently, there's been talk, and, and some have accepted it, changing it to nurse anesthesiologist. Yeah. Oh. Simply because in the public's mind, they, they think you're their anesthesiologist, Correct. no matter what mm-hmm. your degree is. Mm-hmm. So the thought was that 
we get rid of the anesthetism, well, then they won't yeah. question it. It's, it's essentially doing the same job for the patient. Sure, right. So, so well, and yeah. anesthetist is kind of hard to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can stumble over that word quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, the, talk to us a little bit about the schooling involved behind this. And then yeah. there's a period of time where, obviously, you can't just jump in from being an RN to CRNA. No, there's correct. a period. Yeah. Could you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, and it, it has changed actually in the last year or two. Um, Usually it's, it requires a BSN, so bachelor's mm-hmm. in nursing, um, and then usually a year to two years of critical care nursing, mm-hmm. whether that be in an ICU or a very high-functioning, high inner city emergency department, um, things like that, a critical care setting. Mm-hmm. Um, Where'd you do yours, John? U of M. U of M. So I did my in their U critical M. care unit? Yeah, the surgical intensive care unit is where wow. I worked. So, um, yeah, a lot of critical patients, a lot of critical monitoring technology, things that you just have to know how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when they put you through anesthesia school, you essentially have to be able to not only know how that machine works, but be able to take it apart and put it back together if you have to. So, yeah, yeah, those things. So it's a year to two years of critical uh, care. And then currently Michigan has gone to all doctorate level programs. You can no longer do a master's degree. Oh, wow. It used to be a master's degree anywhere from 24 to 28 months. Well, now they're all doctorate programs, mm. so 36 months. Some mm. of them you can stretch out longer if you need more, you know, more time and less schooling to do it. Mm. So, um, but usually 36 to 40 months you can get it done in. But you come out with a doctorate level degree, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. as right. opposed to just the master's. So, you know, John. Now that we've established uh, who you are and what you do, you know, let's start with the why. And we do this on every program, mm-hmm. so we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So, what is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Uh, I mean, ultimately, whenever most, whenever you're in the healthcare field, it's it's taking care of people mm-hmm. and making sure that they're taken care of in mm-hmm. the best possible way that you can do that. Um, which again is one of the nice things about working in a small town hospital is you can you have the ability to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But it is it's taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a small community, and to me that's what it's about. It's about taking care of the people and wanting this hospital to succeed mm-hmm. and succeed well. I've always I mean for thirty years I've been here and and I've seen it do well. So yeah. but so and it's that that's what motivates me yeah. is is the small town and and we can do things here that. Yeah, yeah, you could get it done in Ann Arbor or in Detroit mm-hmm. or in Grand Rapids, big city, but we can do it here we in our small here. town too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what's pretty yeah, remarkable, so, yeah, isn't it? It is. You know, yeah. and I also want to thank you because uh, several weeks ago, actually about a week ago, uh, yesterday, I had my colonoscopy. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, it is the best sleep in it the is. world that it you is. guys <laughs> give us. I just want you <laughs> to know that it's very nice. It's, that's what, and that's the biggest complaint we usually get with that procedure. Is <laughs> I had a great sleep, it just wasn't long enough. Just wasn't long <laughs> enough. You know, it's just a wonderful sleep. So, yeah. you know, obviously, um, a lot of experience here, a lot of work here that you've done. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you've already said it in a rural community. But you know, this is why we call it rural health rising. We're mm-hmm. focusing on rural communities sure. because in metropolitan areas, they have anesthesia. They have, you know, a wide variety of programs. But you and I both know the challenges of recruitment for rural health. So uh, tell us about your experience working directly as a CRNA, not as it pertains to your duties as a boss, Mm -hmm. but as a CRNA, uh, obviously in a rural community. Um, Give our listener an idea of what does day-to-day look like for you? Yeah, you know, it consists of Really, I mean, whatever we have on the schedule going on that day and, and completing that day, whether it be general surgery, orthopedic surgery, endoscopy, um, getting through that day and then essentially just taking on whatever else may come. Mm-hmm. If that's through the emergency department, 
the majority of the time is through the obstetrics department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're taking care of moms mm-hmm. and, and babies. But um, it's a busy day. It's very difficult to understand where the day is going to go. Mm. You know, is it going to be a short day? Is it going to be a long day? It, you know, you can do it in hindsight, but, you know, you look at that schedule when you come in, but we're not a surgery center. We don't just work off of this schedule. It's we're true. a hospital. Right. That's true. Things are going to happen in a hospital. So, yeah. you know, so on a day-to-day basis, you know, you're following a schedule for the morning and early afternoon hours, but then after that, who mm-hmm. knows? Mm-hmm. You know, things get things come in, you know, they come in through, like I said, through the ER, through the yeah. OB that you just have to deal with. So And it's 24-7. Yes, so, I mean, it's, all the time. it's mm-hmm. you know, surgery centers, as you alluded to, is, you know, Monday through Friday, yeah. probably Monday through Thursday. We get through this piece of paper that's four, in front of me and that's it. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, right. And, then, right. and then you're ready for whatever comes in right. tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That means yeah. you've already done your eight-hour day. Right. Absolutely. But you're going to actually be coming in for the baby. Mm-hmm. you know, the surgery that needs to go for right. ortho, the emergent right. surgeries. And so mm-hmm. that's a that's a taxing responsibility in it rural is. health, it isn't is. it? It is in, in rural health, and it is as an independent provider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in the anesthesia world, until last year, we were not technically independent providers. You know, our, we had mm-hmm. a bill passed through last year, and now we can practice solely on our own. We don't need to practice under an anesthesiologist. And while a lot of CRNAs fought for that and we like that, we still... The challenge is that it's you want the independence, but you also have to want to take on the responsibility and the accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a it's a lot on you. I mean, you you are covering the hospital for an entire twenty four hour period, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. seventy two hours if you're covering for the weekend. So, and that's on you. Now we lean on each other as providers. If we, we have, have questions, to. we'll call yeah. each other. We'll text each yeah. other. Hey, what do you think about this? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. But. It's it's it is our responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of those patients and make sure they're getting the best anesthesia that they could get. Yeah. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that legislation in a minute in some more yeah. depth because mm-hmm. it's really important. Um, but before we get to that, how does your experience working here in a rural community compare to your experience working in a larger hospital setting like at U of M? I know you sure. were um, not doing your CRNA work right. when you were there, right. but I'm sure you know people who do. Oh, so how, how would you compare those two experiences? Well, the difference is, is that I can, because, you know, we have the flexibility to do a lot of things here and learn a lot of things here. We're not fighting it, fighting over cases with residents or interns through the medical, in the medical world. I can... I can have a patient walk through the doors and give them the anesthetic that not only do I think is is best for them, but that I can do. And we mm-hmm. have a lot of tools in our in our mm-hmm. toolbox mm-hmm. that we've learned over the years because we're independent. We had to learn these things, and mm-hmm. we had to learn them and learn how to do them well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we've had some good teachers that have come through here, some that are still here. Um, but it's just a nice feeling to know that. If this patient comes in and they're not going to do well with general anesthesia, what are my other options? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can do that. I can provide that for them. Or they come into the ER and the, the ER doctor may just want to try to reset a bone, but mm-hmm. they don't want to put them off to sleep because they just ate an hour ago. Mm-hmm. And I will tell them, you know, give me 20 minutes and I'll do a nerve block and we'll be fine. They'll mm-hmm. be nice and numb and we can do this. So yeah. mm-hmm. so that's the kind of thing that you can get here that in a big facility, a lot of times you can't. You kind of just get shuffled into a room, an anesthesiologist will say, here's what we're going to do, just put everybody to sleep, mm-hmm. and you know we'll get through mm-hmm. the day. So mm-hmm. that's what's nice about working in a small hospital is that we can choose the best anesthetic mm-hmm. for a particular patient and and have the, the knowledge and the skill set to do that anesthetic. So, mm-hmm. so John, though, to practice in a rural community, and it can also be daunting yes. to consider that it's just you. Right. 
That's you know, the responsibility you, that's, that, that we huge. talk about. Yeah, it's it huge. It's do you, do you find it difficult to recruit people here because of that? Um, yes, that's that's part of it. That's one one variable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the medical world right now is just in in utter chaos. It's you know, we're short in every aspect, yeah. whether it's nursing, whether it's anesthesia. Um, and, you're, and your industry is facing a significant shortage. Yes, right. We are. We experience we are. that here in Michigan. Yes, we are. Um, and, COVID, and, COVID had a big, had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and and CRNAs are a little bit different in the sense that you know they, they want to be paid what the going rate is, and they want their time off. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are there. We are also very OCD in a sense that I need to know week to week, not day to day, what mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing or if I right. want to be able to get get this day off or get yeah. to this appointment. And that's that's the challenge right now. And yeah. it's, it's hard to do that, mm-hmm. especially when you're mm-hmm. working short. It's yeah. like, I just don't, we need people here. We need to cover this. So, you know, I commend you because you and I have gone back and forth over this issue of how do you recruit to yeah. mm-hmm. rural communities. But, you know, you and your team, uh, you've never let us down. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes to your well, commitment you. yeah, to local that. community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's tough because how many ball games have you missed? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. How many special events have you been called out of weddings yeah. and, and funerals mm-hmm. and other things? Yeah. That's rural America and that's yeah. rural health, right? Yes, and is. that is the challenge of it. But it's mm-hmm. also, uh, it can be a blessing, but it's also a curse. It is. It can be. But, um, you know, I look at some of our physicians that have been doing it for 20 plus years. It's true. And, you know, it's it's... It's doable. It so. is doable. Mm-hmm. It is doable. And you just have to tell that story you yeah. know, to those coming well, you have to be. You have to get involved in the community. You have mm-hmm. to become part of it. And mm-hmm. and that's a challenge as well. You know, you get people that come in and they may drive in and, and only stay in a hotel or somewhere the night that they're on call and then drive their hour and a half drive home yeah. mm-hmm. the rest of the week. Well, they're not getting invested in the community. So, right. mm-hmm. you know, and I, how do you get them to, to do that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't right. have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So for our listeners, John, there's two types of programs that exist. There is the anesthesiologist program, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a CRNA model, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we we touched on it a little bit earlier, but there's been a lot of contention mm-hmm. uh, among those two groups because mm-hmm. the questions of, of practice authority. Correct. And are they under the supervision model or what right. are they under? Now, as you know, Hillsdale Hospital, Duke Anderson, myself, we yeah. fought t- mm-hmm. to make sure that the CRNAs could practice independently. Correct. In other words, you do not need that supervision agreement with an anesthesiologist. Correct. And where the model worked the best that we witnessed really was in, the, the first model was a pain clinics, right? right? CRNAs were operating independent, even though they had a supervising physician, they really didn't, right. they had a collaborating physician. We witnessed there, you know, they're, they're practicing independent. Now, mm-hmm. an NP can go hang a shingle. Right. Uh, a PA can go hang a shingle. Right. They have to have a collaborating physician, but that physician r- never comes on site. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the CRNAs had a lot more strict requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in part, obviously, mm-hmm. the seriousness of your sure. business. Sure. Yeah. We, we get that. But mm-hmm. we fought, and you've mm-hmm. been involved in that fight. Yes. Because mm-hmm. we just changed it recently. Yes. Uh, through the work that was done by the Michigan Hospital Association. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steve Barnett uh, yes. is a fellow CEO friend of mine. And mm-hmm. a lot of folks that gathered together mm-hmm. uh, in Lansing yes. and lobbied really hard against, you know, a lot of some of the popular opinion from the anesthesiologists. But, right. you know, we've over the years fought hard for some of that specific legislation mm-hmm. uh, that has served as a benefit. Because I want to tell you, the cost difference sure. between mm-hmm. a CRNA and an anesthesiologist mm-hmm. 
was for a while yeah. a huge span. Now we're starting to see a little bit yeah. be, mm-hmm. because of the pricing of Serenades, but mm-hmm. that'll that'll change. It'll it'll yeah. fluctuate again. Um, so tell us for those listening, what did that specific legislative change do for your practice or anyone's practice as a CRNA? As far as our practice here, it, it really didn't change much here. We've been working independently for a little over 15 years. Correct. Um, we've had, because the way, you know, the terms were worded in the legislation, it was, you just had to have a supervising physician. It didn't necessarily have to be an anesthesiologist. Mm -hmm. It could have been the surgeon, you know, on site. And that's how we got around that. But we also had a consulting anesthesiologist through Mm -hmm. our management firm that was looking, it looked at as the supervisor, uh, supervisory anesthesiologist. Mm So, um, so it didn't change a whole lot as far as what we do. Right. Yeah. But in other facilities, yes, they can, they can practice independently now. They can, they can work solely on their own without that supervisory model. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think where you're going to see the most significant changes, I mean, the rural settings, we're already doing it, Mm -hmm. but are, are the kind of the, mid-level to medium-sized, you know, centers, you know, such as your, you know, you look at, you know, places like Adrian and Jackson and, and Coldwell, which are a little, maybe not, cold, not so much Coldwell, but hospitals that may be a little bit bigger yeah. than we are, but they're mm-hmm. not the big university, not the inner city setting. Yeah. Um, that's where you're going to see, I think, the biggest changes in the CRNAs working independently and no longer having, you know, the anesthesiologist working, running with four CRNAs underneath mm-hmm. them any given day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what's going away. So, so and that's a that's a huge shift in a financial cost for yeah. hospitals to the positive, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely because for the for the financial or financially, it is it is a yeah. huge benefit for, especially you know the rural hospitals. Um, yeah. um, but it is a big financial. It is, you know. But even under the supervision model, like you indicated, you you were being you know we let's just say proctored, supervised sure, by sure. a general surgeon who. Has yeah. not been trained in anesthesia. No. no. So it's not as if. Not in a long time, anyway. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But it's not no. like that that's their specialty today. Right. You know, right. their specialty mm-hmm. is general surgery. Right. Um, so really, you were practicing yeah. independent, independently. And yes. mm-hmm. the law just kind of solidified that. Correct. Uh, yes. As it relates to it. And I think we were, what, the 44th or 45th state, state to do that. To do that. Yeah. So we were actually behind the game. A lot of states yeah. had already mm-hmm. gone to it. So. Um, but yeah, and, it was, and you know that's caught momentum not only just for CRNAs, but Rachel and I are involved in looking at other, you know, disciplines and sure. practices such as NP and mm-hmm. PAs and start talking. Well, we about live it. in a changing world, we a do. changing medical world, and yeah. people are are getting sicker. They're living longer, and yeah. you know, if, if we're going to take care of these people, yeah. we we need the help. We right. need people yeah, to be able to, to practice independently. So I think it's accurate to say it's not. I mean, you're well educated. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. And, and I mean, it's, it's not like you don't you don't study to do something for twelve years and not like it or right. not want to do it. So yeah, right. it's it's from beginning to end, from yeah. starting of college until you're all the way Correct. through. And it's it's it's, trained, now it's ten years or more. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to Sally Struthers online no. school mm-hmm. and you get the certificate. No. Six months later, hey, I underwater can, basket yeah. weaving is your minor. <laughs> right. You're not doing no, that. And, no. and and we relate that to a look at the industry for PTOT. Now it requires a doctorate. Right. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. industry now requires a doctorate. Mm-hmm. And so these are folks that are out there practicing it. Independently, mm-hmm. um, you know, we but you get that mindset sometimes in small communities where it's well, I want the anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. We don't see any of that here, really. No, we don't. Uh, in Hillsdale, we will get asked if we are the anesthesiologist, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I try to correct them, but they, you know, they just if they're going to understand, understand it or not, right. I, right. I don't know. So, right. yeah. and how many times have they called you doctor, John? Right, and and mm-hmm. because it's it's the understanding that you're mm-hmm. there caring for them and providing right. for them. 
at the end of the day, you're giving the best care possible. So we, we've experienced that. And um, the reason we pushed for this legislative uh, change and we received it was because you were already doing the work. Right. Uh, you have proven yourself uh, mm. above and beyond that you even had more practical experience sometimes in many cases. Right. And they didn't like to hear this than the anesthesiologist no. had because they became supervisors. Right. They mm-hmm. weren't in the room coming in at they three were, in the morning. Yeah. John, yeah. we know that's the case. And so you had the practical experience. So as we shift away from that, you know, and we talk about the legislation, let's talk about your role as it pertains to a leader. Mm-hmm. Because then we throw you into that role a year ago. Right, right. So that's been a little different for you, hasn't it, Yeah, John? it has been. Yeah, this <laughs> last year has been because of, of the changes and because what we're seeing and just the, and I don't know if the legislation had it, it, I'm sure it has something to do with this, but I think the COVID had a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. and with a lot of a lot of CRNAs, we're going to work an extra couple, three more years. Well, then COVID hit. Well, they just said, "I'm retiring now. I'm done." Yeah. So, so we've seen a shortage. Um, and what you're seeing is, you know, facilities, hospitals, surgery centers putting out these huge contracts just to get bodies in their door. Right. And unbelievable. And though. people are going to it. They're they taking are. it, you know. So you're right. seeing a lot more what they call, you know, locum tenant work. Um, right. Well, it's like the temporary. You know, same situation we saw mm-hmm. with travel nursing agencies. Right. It's and a that, similar when, issue. when COVID hit, we got hammered with that with nursing. Yes, mm-hmm. you did. And it's it's starting to come to an end with nursing. So, um, but with with anesthesia right now, it's just it's all across the yeah. Not just the state, but the country. I mean, huge people, premiums, are, people huge are chasing premiums. these contracts and sign-on bonuses. Right, and sign-on bonuses, and you know, this much money and this many weeks off. Education reimbursements yes. and, and housing costs. Yeah. And, so, and all for you know, I don't know. It, it, it used to be able to say, well, we can't do that here, and people didn't want to uproot their family and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, now that doesn't seem to transient. be an issue. They're transient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So I can't imagine uprooting my children and taking them. You know, yeah. across the state. But you have to admit that the market, we can't sustain this. No. You know, we've said this no. about nursing. Yes. You can't sustain it. No. Hospitals Mm-mm. will close. As yes. hospitals close, you have less nurses, yeah. um, you know, who less positions. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you have more nurses and then right. you're going to have an oversaturation. You're going to watch this happen. Yep. Right. As mm-hmm. hospitals continue to close, you're going to have fewer CRNAs yep. that mm-hmm. are going to have jobs. Right. And so then they're all going to be ultra competitive. And what's going to happen? It's going to take five to seven years mm-hmm. is you're going to see the market change a lot. And yeah. then what, what fluctuate with, with that? prices, cost. Yep. Uh, it's, But we have to sustain this over the next three to five years right. to get through it. And it is horrendous. And from a leader perspective, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to attract people here. Mm-hmm. You're right. trying to invest in education of those people, mm-hmm. creating programs where they're interested in coming here, mm-hmm. and then competing in a very, very right. volatile market. Right. Trying to retain them as well, you know, trying to not, not work them yeah. all the hours mm-hmm. of the day and yeah. night. And cover multiple days of call because yeah. that's not going to retain anybody. No, it isn't. But, right. So you know you're you're doing the best you can with it, but uh, you know, and I'm you know I just try to to maintain it day to day. I'm not I'm not a mm-hmm. recruitment specialist. I don't know what what it will take mm-hmm. to get people convinced right. to you know. It's not just about money. It's mm-hmm. it, that's a lot to do with it. But again, CRNAs they like their time off and they like to know their schedule mm-hmm. ahead of time. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As to, you know, right down to the hour sometimes. So, yeah. um, and that's a challenge, you know, like I said, and like I said before, we're a hospital, we're not a surgery center. Right. Right. I can't predict what time no. things will wind down. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, unfortunately you get to a point where you, you want to say, if that's what you're looking for, then, you know, it's, you need to go a to a surgery fit. center. Yeah. This, this we, we are a fit. hospital and yeah. we're a growing hospital, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we're 
you know, adding new services on all the time. So, so let me ask You're you. You're telling me. It scares you. <laughs> yeah. It scares you, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I think it's. I think it's great for the hospital Good. for the community. I was for you to say but that. I, it's it's going to be a challenge pain. to staff it. Yeah. It is a challenge. So. Well, and as I shared with you and in some of the leadership of your company is, yeah, we'll bring them on. But like you said, where are we getting them? Right. You know, right. you can mm-hmm. promise me that you're going to add two, but where are we going to find them? Right. Um, so the qualities of rule, though, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're an outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. raise your kids in a quiet environment. Right. Safe. Mean, yeah. So someone listening today who's considering CRNA or who yeah. is a CRNA, you know, sell them. You got thirty seconds, John, to yeah. sell them on rural community. Oh, you have a small town, small living, great, great, great outdoors activity here. Uh, I mean, we're peppered with what fifteen lakes in this county. I think um, lots of hunting, uh, lots of outdoor activity. A very good school system throughout all the districts, not just in Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. I mean, all mm-hmm. the districts have something to offer as far as the schools go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my, I think the biggest thing for me is I don't have to lock my doors at night. Yeah. It's a mm. safe, safe community. Don't give your address, so, but yes. Yeah, right. I know, but you do. You feel safe. You know, you I do. can get right. out of my car without locking it. And it's not going to get vandalized right. or stolen. Right. And I can, mm-hmm. it's, it's, just, it's a safe community. Yeah. So, and like I said, it's a great place to raise a family. It yeah. really is. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, you did well in the 30 seconds. So. Yes, that was good. <laughs> well, and what, you know, in your experience, you have worked in a hospital that, you know, it was, at U of M, that mm-hmm. is a hospital system. That is sure. the big one mm-hmm. as part of that system. The mothership is they're sometimes referred to. Um, but here, this is an independent hospital yes. that's much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your experience like working at an independent hospital as a CRNA versus at a larger hospital in terms of um, that relationship with the hospital as a whole, with the management, mm-hmm. with the leadership? Yeah. Well, you know, I never, I haven't ever worked as a CRNA right, in a large setting, right. um, only as a nurse. Um, but it is, it's like, it's like a hospital within, it's its own little city. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have your little towns, your little units, and mm-hmm. you deal with the management from them. Um, whereas here, you know, everybody, Right. Mm-hmm. you know, I know everybody on OB, I know everybody on med surge, I know the hospitalists real well. I know the ER, you know, people, you know, in a bigger system, you're, you're, you're more focused on the, your little corner of that world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a bigger difference. Um, you know, and you just, you just get to know people on a first name basis around here. There mm-hmm. it's always, oh, I recognize so-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, or that person, but you don't know their names. You've, you've never, you don't, you don't have time to talk to them. You don't have, mm-hmm. um, and then it's, it's just, it seems like it's more business. It's all business. Mm-hmm. And and here it is too, but we, we get to know each other. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's mm-hmm. truly a work family. It right. is. So, so right. John, you belong to a company, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously you're, you're, um, to a certain, obviously you practice independently, but mm-hmm. you are actually employed by Northstar. Correct. A management company, yes. A management company here at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? I mean, this is a national company. National company. It's one of the, probably the three largest, uh, as far as anesthesia um, staffing in the country. Um, their headquarters are based out of Texas, but they do, obviously they have a lot of facilities in Texas. They do have quite a few in Michigan and kind of all the way up between Michigan and Texas. They don't go too much out toward the northeast or mm-hmm. uh, southeast. Um, and I don't think they have too much on the western side either. But I want to say they have close to 300 facilities in the country that they provide mm-hmm. anesthesia management coverage for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. L- very large company. Um, 
And essentially, they, they come into hospitals, a lot of times rural hospitals, sometimes they're bigger hospitals, and they have a management fee that the hospital pays them for that to provide that hospital with staffing, um, with the salaries of the, of the mm-hmm. CRNAs, um, recruitment, um, it, retention really, but the retention can kind of be a 50-50 thing with the people working there. It can be. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but they provide all those services to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know, to provide them the coverage that they need right. based yeah. on their their volume, based on their need. So, mm-hmm. yeah, is that the the typical model in hospitals in general? Kind of like with ER, a lot of hospitals don't employ their own you Correct. know yeah. emergency medicine it, yeah. physicians. Mm-hmm. Like here, you know, we right. have a a company that we work with that right. contracts that. Right. Um, is anesthesia similar like that? Where there's anesthesia, very yeah. few places that employ their own? Yeah, it can be. It's um, a lot of anesthesia services are outsourced mm-hmm. uh, in different facilities. Um, there are still some left that are hospital employed, and mm-hmm. there are also some that practice independently as their own. You know, if I were to get a group of three or four CRNAs together and we formed an LLC, then we mm-hmm. could provide anesthesia for wherever, whatever service, whatever facility we right. want to. But those have kind of gone by the wayside mm-hmm. because a lot of uh, non-compete clauses and things like that got put in on solicitation clauses, yeah. got put into when these bigger companies moved in. So Plus liability insurances right, anymore. And all that. So, so mostly what you see are it's either outsourced to one of these mm-hmm. – anesthesia management f- companies mm-hmm. or the hospital simply employs them themselves. Yeah. So those are usually the two options right now. Right, so. right. JJ, for you as a as a CEO, what is the the benefit of doing, you know, using mm-hmm. that model as mm-hmm. opposed to directly employing some of these specialties that are very hard to recruit, mm-hmm. are, you know, a, a higher cost in terms of yeah. the, um, the compensation yeah. based on the skill level? What makes that a better option than even considering hiring your own for something like well, this? Well, I can tell you right now, the very first is recruitment, mm-hmm. uh, much like our hospice program uh, and the ED program. Uh, you know, when you rely on national companies, their web is, they can cast a wider net mm-hmm. and uh, their web is certainly a, a lot more tangled than mine could ever be mm-hmm. when it comes to the market for these type of providers. Uh, I am not a recruitment CEO. That's not my job. You know, my job is to cast a vision. Um, So the company assisting us in that process. And a lot of that work comes down to what John Gadwood has to do Mm -hmm. because he Mm -hmm. has to solicit students, get them in here, teach Mm -hmm. them the trade, tell them how wonderful it is, encourage them to come back and work here. And then he has to court CRNAs. And a lot of responsibility really falls on his shoulder as the the program leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I can technically do this, even though I can't, you can technically wash your hands of it and say to the company, well, I've got an opening. You better fill it Mm -hmm. because I am not filling it. That's your job. Um, But beyond that, it's the skill set. It's them attesting to the level of education, Mm -hmm. you know, going through the credentialing process, attesting to it. We call it delegated credentialing. Um, They do a lot of that work, uh, which is very good for a small hospital like ours because we can't engage in all of that work. So the benefits alone also carrying their own liability insurances, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of benefit that we get with a program like that and for them to manage it. Mm-hmm. So it's a direct cost benefit as well as a resource benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And then another question I had about the CRNA legislation. Um, so I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you guys talk about it a little bit. If 
if the model of the CRNAs working under a physician, if a lot of rural hospitals were already kind of doing the the mostly independent practice anyway, and not a lot changed when the law was passed, what still made it so important? Because you guys fought for like eight years yeah. mm-hmm. to get that passed. So why was that still so important, even though in practice you kind of were already able to do that? Well, mm-hmm. I'll take it from an administrative standpoint, but I want John to talk from a clinician standpoint. Yeah, I mean, from a clinician standpoint, what it changed is that it was, you know, it changed across the board, across the state for all CRNAs. Right. And like I said, I think where you're going to see it mostly impacted is on your mid-size, mid-level type hospitals. Um, You're going to see more independent practicing, um, Mm -hmm. which is what, you know, a lot of CRNAs wanted to do. They wanted to be independent. They wanted to practice, the, you know, be Mm -hmm. in sole providers of anesthesia. Now... When it comes to a hospital setting, you got to be able to take on that that responsibility mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, it just was something that gives gives CRNAs the ability to really market themselves better mm-hmm. if they can practice mm-hmm. independently. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, they don't need to rely on a, an anesthesiologist to mm-hmm. say, you know, yes, this person is a good provider. You know, right, bring them right. on here so um, you can practice independently mm-hmm. pretty easily. So, in your experience, is that a, a factor for CRNAs who are coming out of school who are trying to decide where they want to go? Is Michigan being one of the few states that didn't have that? Was that did that put you at a disadvantage? Um, yes and no. I mean, because the students that yeah. that came to school in Michigan and lived in Michigan, it really didn't. Um, right. You know, it's it, there's a bigger learning curve. Um, going into an independent mm-hmm. practice versus mm-hmm. coming out and getting your feet wet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for that reason, a lot of students shied away from that first year or two out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it when I came out of school. Um, I had a lot of help with the, the providers that we had here at the time. Um, and it is a big learning curve. It was mm-hmm. a good six to nine months before I didn't. I stopped questioning whether or not I could do this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a bigger learning yeah. curve. So so I don't I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially now, I don't think so. I yeah. think people coming out, you know, know that, you know, especially the students we get, they see what it's like to run being an independent facility in a smaller mm-hmm. facility, and you know they 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 know they can handle it. So mm-hmm. I think Rachel, two two reasons from an administrative standpoint. Number one. We know having this here that it works. The model works, right? Right. Right. Um, and that alone created a passion inside of us to say, "We know this model works." Mm-hmm. Second issue is, you know, we also lived in fear that the legislation would be pushed to such a extent where we would be required to hire an anesthesiologist right. to supervise, mm-hmm. which. That's a million-dollar game-changer. Oh, yeah. And you think about paying that cost for what? No better outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clearly, no better outcomes. No one could ever prove that. When we were in in the Senate and we were arguing this, there is no quality issues regarding this. This mm-hmm. is purely, unless you disagree, it was an economic no, issue. It is. It's all about It cost. had mm-hmm. nothing to do with quality outcomes. Right. John Gadwood, whether he was operating under the review, okay, of a 30-year general surgeon Mm -hmm. or an anesthesiologist had no bearing Mm -hmm. on the quality and the outcome of that case. Did you know that? It had none. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It had none. Mm -hmm. So we knew that it was technicality, it was formality, but Mm -hmm. it was also creating uh, this opportunity for the anesthesiologist to solidify their jobs Mm -hmm. and to solidify their position. And so we knew the model worked here at Hillsdale, but then we wanted to take it a step further. All right, 
why are we paying for a general surgeon who's been a general surgeon for 30 years who has not been, he doesn't administer anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Why would we pay him a supervision fee of John when John knows, with all due respect, more? Right. Why would we do that? Right. It makes no sense. It's just paper. At that right. point, it's just checking a box. Mm-hmm. And it's not about good medicine. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to promote good medicine, mm-hmm. good healthcare outcomes. Mm-hmm. And there is no difference between what he's being supervised uh, by an anesthesiologist, general surgeon, or what he does on his own. Mm-hmm. So John, you know, obviously other CEOs throughout the country are listening to this podcast. Sure. And what advice, and you can give that advice right to me too. Uh, what advice would you give hospital leaders uh, to support their CRNA practice uh, in those groups, whether it's a North Star or whatever the company is, mm-hmm. uh, as they navigate these new challenges. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if you want to call it advice. Um, you know what CRNAs are seeing right now. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, call it whatever you want. The internet's our worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, sure is. And they see what other places are making. They see how much time off other facilities are doing whether it's a hospital or surgery center, and that's what intrigues them to say, well, you know, we we should get that here. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a hospital of similar size, similar volume, you know, and this is what they're getting. Uh, you know, but none of them see the, the business or administrative side of it. I don't even see it. I'm not a business person. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of variables that go into what you pay people and what kind of time mm-hmm. off you can give people. Um, but I guess, so I guess my advice would be that that's what's out there, and that's what these CRNAs are looking at. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. seeing these, you know, salaries and this time off in places that are similar in size and similar in what they do volume-wise, and that's what they want, you know, mm-hmm. want to have. And, you know, they also want to have a better schedule, I yeah. think, than mm-hmm. than what, you know, live and breathe and die for the hospital. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're on for 24 hours or we're – and then we have to – be back the next day. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing they want to, they want some better time off yeah. as far as getting relief yeah. from a 24 hour mm-hmm. day. Um, so it's, it's what's out there mm-hmm. and what they're seeing. And then they're doing a comparison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that's, that's right? I don't think it's right or wrong. I, like I said, I think there's a lot it's of vari- variables that go right. into it. So, right. You know, we are independent. Mm-hmm. We are not under an umbrella of a large university setting. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're not one of these satellite hospitals that U of M or Henry no. Ford has. We yeah. are on our own. So mm-hmm. that's a big yeah. variable that goes into it. So, right. Yeah. Um, but you can't sell that to, these, to them because they mm-hmm. see it. They, they get them the text, the text message, message or an email or yeah. something saying, hey, we need help. This is what we'll pay you. This is the time we'll, right. off we'll give you. And that's great. But again, that's going to come to an end. Right. And it then, will. It then, has you, to. then you're going to be left somewhere that. You don't want to be yeah. mm-hmm. where you should have, if you could have mm-hmm. stuck it out in your own town, you would yeah. have been better off. So, right. you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's for, I don't know if it's advice. It's more of a, this is what's going on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I also um, think that, you know, my advice to a fellow CEO is to integrate your partners mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. into the hospital. Do you feel like we've integrated? Do you feel like you're yeah. part of the family? Absolutely. I think that's Absolutely. critical. You know, when I first yeah. started here, 13 years ago, mm-hmm. sadly, the mentality then was, well, 
we're not going to give the contractors a t-shirt. We're not going to, yeah, no, they're no, part of the family. Right, yeah. right. And so integrate them in. No. And I think that's the advice I would right. give. Even though we're not hospital employed, right. we still you feel like we're part, part of the, of the family. family. We're here every day. Right. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there can be no division in that. And I think if there's been no. anything that, that I have had to learn throughout this uh, last 13 years, it's that we're all coming together as a community. It doesn't matter if they are employed by the hospital team, this team, your team, North Star, we're all family. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be the advice that I would give. So yeah. we could speak on this issue probably for another hour, but yeah. we don't have time. Sure. <laughs> uh, so all good things come to an end, John. Right, and right. I, I want to thank you for your commitment to Hillsdale Hospital, but most importantly to our patients. What you do is driven by our patients. Sure. You know, you're know, you not coming yeah. in at three in the morning because you like to come in at <laughs> right. three, yeah. but you know that the patient who right. you're going to see in church, right. mm-hmm. or you're going to see at your kid's ball game, right. you know, you're going to see them at three in the morning. Yeah. And that's I think that's a special moment Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. when we get to see it. Overwhelming, daunting, yes, mm-hmm. but a very special. So thank you for your commitment to our community, our patients. Um, My and, pleasure. Yep. You know, obviously for the industry, the advocacy work that you and your colleagues have done to remain independent, to become independent, I think is a testimony to other states who haven't enacted this to actually do it, but that it can be done, that you're independently mm-hmm. practicing. So uh, continue to do the great work, and we thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. Right. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. So before we close, we'd like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. Uh, we want to know. What is your most unique, and since you've been in this rural community for 30 years, Jack, yeah, mm-hmm. your most unique rural experience or one of your favorite memories that's unique to rural life? Yeah, to just rural life? Yeah. Um, it doesn't oh. have to be healthcare, to hospital be related. Oh, just, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the, I don't have any specific, specific moment or specific thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just amazing to me that you could go into a gas station and somebody knows you who you who you have no idea who they are right in a small town like this right. and and then it clicks who they are right um after I, they tell I, you <laughs> yeah i grew i grew up in downriver detroit you, okay. didn't, you didn't know didn't. Any, you didn't know anybody but your family mm-hmm. so the fact that you can go you know to a ball game like you said or to church and you know your church is different but to a ball game or somewhere in a public event and yeah. and everybody knows you and you know them and you have conversations with these mm-hmm. people i you know, I see people, and we're on radio, but from here to here, most of the time, with the mask and the right. hat. Because mm-hmm. um, you guys are wearing the mask well before it, everybody else. Right. And, you're, oh, and it doesn't often happen with our normal patient population because of the drugs that we give. But OB people will remember you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't remember them. It's hard for me to remember them because yeah. we see so many so faces. Many. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we only see them briefly for a few minutes. But they will pull you aside and thank you and say yeah. how well you took care of them and how comfortable you made that. And that, to me, is what is unique about a small-town setting is you run mm-hmm. into these people. Big mm-hmm. city, you don't run into them. Yeah. You know? right. So, yeah. Um, but it's just, it's just, you know, that's... Like I said, it's not one real specific thing. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a general feeling that you have living in a small town. So mm-hmm. in well, I saw you and your wife at the gas station last week. You yeah. were pumping gas. She was in the driver's <laughs> yeah. uh, passenger seat. Mm-hmm. I think she had a granola bar. Yeah. We know everything. Right. We know right. everything. Right. Uh, exactly. It's a true story. P.S. Food Mart Hill yeah. stuff. Can be, uh, can be good and bad. It could, it could do, be, right? So, exactly. But, you better, you better yeah, be good. You don't want to hide anything. You don't so, want to hide anything. Yeah, so. Well, again, thanks right. for joining us today on oh, Rural Health Rising. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. 
Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.